On our last episode, we shared an overview of the recent Outlook conference by giving you some of the insights from different speakers at the event and the event organizers. Well, a few weeks after Outlook took place, there was another absorbent hygiene-focused conference that took place, this time in the U.S. And if you missed that conference too, luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attach to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're giving our listeners an overview of what they missed at the recent Hygienics Conference. Hygienics is the premier event for absorbent hygiene and personal care markets. Organized by INDA, the annual conference provides the latest technical, market, and product developments and recognizes innovations with the prestigious Hygienics Innovation Award. I couldn't attend the conference in person because I was on vacation. So, once again, I wanted to get an idea of what I missed and then share that with all of you. With the permission of INDA, we reached out to all the speakers to see if they could share a one to three minute overview of their presentations. While we weren't able to get overviews from every speaker, I know you'll get value from the ones we were able to collect. As with the last episode, this episode would have been immensely more difficult to produce without the help of my colleague here at Bostic, Luke Burkholder. Luke attended the conference and was nice enough to coordinate with several speakers on site to get their overviews recorded. So thank you, Luke, for all of your help. We'll start the episode by sharing an overview of a panel that took place early on day one at the conference. The panel was called Blood, Sweat, Legislation, and Regulation, The Impact on Business. The panel featured Rachel Braun-Sherl, who is managing partner and entrepreneur at Spark Solutions for Growth, Michelle Wallace-Savage, Senior Manager for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Arkham Incorporated, which is also Bostick's parent company, and Danielle Kaiser, Managing Director of Impact at Monami. Now we'll hear from Danielle in a little bit, but I wanted to share the perspectives from Rachel and Michelle and what they thought of the panel. I'm Michelle Wallace-Savage, Senior Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Arkham Inc., the parent company of Bostick. And as the corporate representative on the panel, I thought it was a, a great opportunity to talk about topics that are important to women in the workplace. As we aim to be an employer of choice for women, I think it's a really good opportunity to hear about uh, some things that are happening, topics that are important to women, and anything we can do to better attract and retain them uh, with our company, Uh, particularly given that the chemical and associated industries is still a fairly male-dominated workplace. I think it's a really good opportunity to have discussions about some of the perhaps unique challenges that women face in our workplace and things that we might do to better understand those challenges and help women overcome those challenges in the workplace. And then also from the business perspective to understand, you know, dynamics in the marketplace and how that may affect, you know, the products and industries we serve and certainly the, the consumer base uh, for, for those was also a great opportunity to, you know, to connect with Rachel and Danielle and make connections, you know, outside of, of certainly the industry in which I typically work in. 
And anytime I think we can share perspectives on topics like this is an opportunity to, you know, to move things forward in a positive direction. I'm Rachel Braun-Sherrill. I'm a business builder and a, a marketing strategist, as well as an author, a speaker, a podcast co-host, and a person who spent a whole lot of time in the women's sexual and reproductive health space, both as a consultant and as an employee. And I really focus on the landscape between menstruation and menopause. As we had the chance to talk about, I literally worked with my business partner and we did a global tour of dozens of markets around the world, identifying what the upcoming needs potentially were, how we could be ahead of what consumers might be interested in by looking at some of the fundamental benefits that menstrual hygiene offers. So what was really exciting for me about being on the hygienics panel that we did this year and I was lucky enough to do it with a, a cross-section, I would call a, a menstrual hygiene activist, a product builder, and someone who is literally in the heart of dealing with the policies that affect women in the workplace. And one of the things that's so interesting is I focus a lot of time during my time in this space, focusing on the importance of language and understanding that we need vocabulary to have discussions about these things. And so the focus, a couple of things have happened as a result of COVID, some positive, silver lining kind of thing. We're having more conversations that we didn't have before about pleasure, about the difference between men and women, about self-play, about the connection between your financial performance, your childcare, and your life at home. And one of the things that's really so important when you think about women's health is really to know that you can't look at sexual health without looking at mental health. You can't look at bone health without working on cardiac health. So Michelle, who was one of my co-panelists from Arkema, she was really talking about what is this like in the trenches? when you're actually creating policies and dealing with people to figure out how to be the kind of company that people want to stay with and work for. And she gave a very interesting example because I'm talking all the time about how much productivity is lost in turnover and people not coming back to work and women leaving the workforce and the challenges of healthcare um, and childcare. And, you know, obviously we know, and Michelle knows, and all the folks on the panel know how women are the chief medical officers of their families in many circumstances. So within this world that we are now in, in a post-Dobbs decision, regardless of where you are on the particular, particular reaction to that, there are some companies who are coming out and saying, well, we're going to pay for out-of-state travel. You know, with the subtext never really said is if you need that kind of reproductive services and they're not available in your state by law, we will pay for you to go to another state. But what Michelle said, which was so interesting to me, was in order to be fair, this is my interpretation, and to be equitable and to make sure that you're dealing fairly with your employees as a whole, that same policy where we will pay for you to cross state lines to get the reproductive services you need also applies if you need to go cross state lines to find the best cardiothoracic surgeon for your particular concern. And the reason I was so struck by that is it's a way to not only think about what women are going through, but also thinking about what all employees are going through and also taking away what I think is the discomfort of having to reveal your personal health choices to your employer. 
And I know people are very different on this spectrum. I've been working for a very long time. What I share at work is up to me to decide. And with the way this policy is written, it seems like it gives people the opportunity to share what they want to share, as opposed to if you see someone crossing straight lines, I know what you're doing. And even if the employee is perfectly comfortable with the decision they're making, that doesn't mean that they want to invite a workplace conversation. One of the other things that we talk about a lot, and Heidi from Crown Abbey, who is so knowledgeable from a product development perspective and just as a leader in this space, is how different we are in terms of our development in the U.S. in terms of women's health-friendly policies to what's happening in the U.K. So if you look today, you know, the top companies who are trying to attract and retain talent have figured out how to make fertility, maternity, family planning benefits part of the standard package. And I'm a capitalist and a realist. You know, these policies work if it helps you keep employees, help keep happy employees, help keep productive employees, and is demonstrated to be good for the business. So those policies are doing all those things. And what we're starting to see in menopause, really driven by what's happening in the UK, is applying the early, early stages of that same kind of conversation to menopause. 20% of the workforce is in menopause. And if you look at the average age, these are probably employees who have the most knowledge they've ever had, are likely senior in their organization, they're in managerial roles or about to be there. And there is a cost as well to losing them with, I'm not going to say family unfriendly policies or menopause unfriendly policies, but I would say policies that don't reflect the reality of people's lives. And we're starting to see that across industries. I remember earlier this year, a company came out and said that they are now going to give you time off for miscarriage management. It was never a thought. It was never a conversation. And, you know, anyone listening could have very, very different views about whether these are the right or wrong policies. From my perspective, the most important part is that we're having these conversations. You know, menstrual hygiene and, and the focus of creating products, as you know, is just one piece of women's health. The other person we had on the panel who you know well, Danielle Kaiser, who is, you know, I would say the the period whisperer, really talks a lot. You know, I think she's far ahead of employers because she's talking about maybe sharing with your employer what stage you are in your cycle. And so you might engage in specific activities when you're in one phase of your menstrual cycle or your reproductive cycle every month versus others. And I always love being on stages and on panels with people like Danielle, because she really is pushing the envelope. You know, and I, I believe I said this in the panel, go for it. If you think you can get employers and employees to feel comfortable talking about being in the luteal phase, go for it. I want to make people comfortable saying vagina on TV or being able to say, I need time off for X, Y, or Z without feeling like they have to reveal everything about their personal lives. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think it was so great. Some of the articles I've seen online where, you know, you see a lot of companies focusing on period leave, the, the big laws in Spain or the law in Spain that passed. And there are limitations to that, but it's it's certainly progress. But one of the, I think, kind of overlooked group of the populace is 
people in, in menopause who are going through menopause. And and there's nothing fun from my perspective as a person who's in that <laughs> age group. I don't necessarily want to share anything of, as I said, about my personal health situation. Yeah. But, you know, if there's a cooling room or, you know, just some acknowledgement that you have some recourse, I think people feel more committed to the workplace. I've been on panels like this where I've spoken to other people who are chief people officers or leading benefits, and they are saying it has a demonstrable impact on the ease of uh, recruiting, the cost, hopefully, reduction of paying search firms, reduction in turnover. Those are all meaningfully, financially impactful benefits. And if I could say the one greatest thing that's happened in the dialogue or the narrative over the past year and a half is connecting those. Yeah. Now, we used to just look at what does it cost to give someone heart surgery and they spend time in the hospital? It's too narrow a way to look at any health situation. And it's certainly too narrow a way to look at women. And we've seen that during COVID when you talk about the childcare crisis. If a, a person cannot go back to work because she cannot or he cannot find childcare, that has a direct economic impact on the family. Absolutely. And we have to keep that front and center when we're creating policies and building companies and creating new products that looking at people and given the focus of this on people who menstruate specifically, this is not a linear conversation. You don't look at someone and say, she's menstruating, they're menstruating, we need to sell them product. We can, and that's what we've done historically, but it really limits the opportunities to really make a difference in a workplace. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, I mean, you talk about the, I guess, in my opinion, the the relatively low barrier to entry, if you will, to like support in any myriad of ways, people who menstruate with products or with, you know, or with time off if they need it. And people who are going through menopause with, with like you said, whether it's like a cooling room or a space to decompress or the ability to work from home or not work if they're, you know, the symptoms of menopause are, are too strong at a certain time, you know, like the cost to introduce that and then, you know, run those things is astronomically lower than replacing those people. And as you said, a lot of the times those people are, are people with years, decades of experience um, in the workforce and possibly at that company that you could lose over not having period products in your bathrooms. Yeah, and that's a perfectly good example. The fact that now states and counties are changing their laws so that you are required to offer free products. Again, this is way out of the workplace, although it's relevant to the workplace. There are people in you know menstrual deserts, and Danielle speaks about this all the time, where they have to make the choice between sanitary protection and food. Yeah. And that just seems... Inhuman. I read an article today, Jane Frazier, the CEO of City. She talked about having a workplace, and I'm not going to paraphrase her, you know, perfectly, but you know, that was kind, not because it was the right thing to do, which it is, but because it's good for business. And I'm perfectly okay if you're doing the right thing and your motivation is financial. Right. It still makes for a better workplace. Absolutely. You can make the right decisions and have them be, you know, economically beneficial to the company. And it, it's it's still OK. That's justifiable. <laughs> We're not 
practicing altruism here. Yeah. These are companies that need to make money there when they're public responsible to shareholders. So they have to make decisions that further the objectives, the financial objectives of the company. And they can also be a great place to work that thinks about these very complicated issues that we're now finally starting to have conversations about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> Our next three speakers were part of a session called Next Gen Menstrual Products and Their Users. The first speaker we spoke with from that group was Frantisek Ria Scott. His presentation was titled Reusable Products Using Nonwovens, a Complementary Product to Traditional AHPs. My name is Frantisek Ria Scott. I'm the founder and design director of Confitex. Thank you, Bostik, for having me on your podcast. Presenting at the Hygienics was an incredible privilege, and I thank INDA and the organizers for the opportunity to present to the industry. Today, I'll briefly cover the three challenges we see facing reusables, price, performance, and practicality. Pricing is the number one challenge due to high manufacturing costs. It takes a lot of manual labor to produce reusable products, which is why they are mainly found in the direct-to-consumer online channel as they struggle to cut margins three ways from manufacturer to distributor to retailer. Performance is the second challenge faced by reusable products or earning consumer trust. The only way to do this is through producing high-performing quality products that can be trusted, not to leak. But due to pricing pressures, brands compromise on performance, design, comfort and general product quality, which creates distrust in the category. Practicality is the third big challenge. Reusable products are not readily available like disposable products. There is also a perception of problems when it comes to laundering or changing underwear on the go. It can get messy. We believe to meet these three challenges, we should fuse the best of reusable and single-use disposable products to create a hybrid product solution that solves consumer and retailer concerns. At Confitex, one of our major focuses is to automate production and reduce the manual labor steps without compromising on performance and quality. The combination of automated production, superior product performance, and practical design means we can supply all distribution channels and grow an economically and environmentally sustainable industry to scale. But do bear in mind, reusables are not that suitable for institutional markets such as medical and aged care. Some consumers also prefer single-use products or like swapping between the two depending on their situation. This is why the two technologies, reusable and single-use, are complementary. By working together, the industry has a strong opportunity create a truly sustainable future. But there are still challenges to overcome. When the reusable category emerged, there were no testing protocols designed for reusable underwear. So they were reliant on the 1993 total absorbency protocols that were not designed for reusable category. This resulted in brands extending their absorbent technologies from waste to waste so that they can claim high absorbency levels when in fact only a small portion of the gusset is effective during wear. And because reusables are more challenged when it comes to anti-gravitational absorbency, on-body wear simulation testing is crucial to 
to test actual working absorbency so consumers can trust product performance. The reusable industry needs harmonized testing protocols, and this is something we are working on. So to summarize the key takeaways from our hygienics presentation, fusing the best of woven and non-woven technologies creates complementary product ranges that can build a truly sustainable future that delivers better economies and industry-wide margins, stronger performance, increased consumer trust, easier product use and greater convenience, enhanced product accessibility through global manufacturing, vastly improved environmental sustainability, and a market where disposables and reusables complement each other. Next up in that session was Greta Meyer. Her presentation was titled, Breaking the Tampon Monopoly. Hi, my name is Greta Meyer. I am the co-founder and CEO of Sequel. Sequel is a small startup in the women's health space out of San Francisco, California. And our first product that we're bringing to market is a redesigned tampon. So our insight around the tampon space was that many, many women who are using tampons and prefer tampons are using some sort of a backup. So a liner, period underwear, a pad in conjunction with their tampon. And that was an indicator for to us that tampons were failing and they were failing at their jobs. So we started looking at why that was and found these vertical grooves that exist on all of the tampons on the market right now. And what was happening was those grooves were functioning as essentially funnels to funnel that fluid away from the absorbent core and the fibers that make up the body of the tampon. So what we've done in our redesign is to have a different groove design. And so our channels are actually helical. And so we bring that fluid instead of straight down, creating bypass leakage or what we like to call the red line effect. Our grooves take the fluid around the circumference of the tampon creating a helical path and distribute the fluid more evenly so that you're absorbing from top to bottom. And then therefore, the idea is you have a more comfortable experience when you go to remove that product, there will be less dry spots and therefore a better experience overall. And lastly, we'll hear from Danielle Kaiser, who wrapped up that session with her presentation, The Language of Period Products, Changing the Conversation with Our Customers. This is Danielle Kaiser. And I'm with Madami, a boutique social impact agency that focuses on female health innovation across the life cycle. And at Hygienics, I gave a presentation called The Language of Period Products, Changing the Conversation with Our Customers. Yeah, what I basically wanted to convey to everyone was that there are some pretty important uh, nuances that we need to consider in our language around who, what, when, where why and how of the period product space. So, you know, just to, you know, recap a few things, who, who are the people who want to use our products? When we talk about this, we really have to consider the difference between sex and gender and understand that they're not the same thing. Sex is biological and gender is culturally defined. So it gets really complicated when we try to stick everyone into one term and, you know, not isolate women and girls, but not isolate the people that don't want to be categorized as women and girls either. So my suggestion is that moving forward, we call um, all these people women, girls, and people who menstruate, or 
uh, people with cycles. It's really important that we are inclusive so that we can speak to everyone who experiences this amazing thing called menstruation. <laughs> Some other things that I think are really important to think about is what the menstrual cycle is, that it's you know more than just the menstrual phase. There's a very complex dance of hormones that is going on throughout the month. And it's really critical that people working in this space kind of understand the ebbs and flows of those cycles so that we can kind of optimize our lives and understand that menstruation is just a sign of ovulation and a sign of reproductive health. Other things that would be really great to take away is understanding kind of the, uh, the language of where and uh, what this industry is actually called. So for a long time, we've been referring to uh, fem high or feminine hygiene. And um, this is really quite an outdated terminology for a number of reasons. One, feminine is also a sex and gendered term um, when we don't necessarily need to be sexing or gendering these products. Why don't we just call them period products or menstrual health products um, and really move away from regressive terminologies like sanitation, hygiene, protection that really serve to reinforce this idea that vaginas are disgusting and dirty, uh, places that need to be cleaned up and periods are problems to be managed. Um, let's just call them what they are, period products, and uh, move on. So yeah, those are just a few of the things that I covered in my presentation and really look forward to diving deeper into who, what, when, where, why, and how. Thank you so much. Now, if Danielle's voice and topics sound familiar, that is because we interviewed her earlier this year as part of our series on menstrual health. If you'd like to hear Danielle talk more about the menstrual health market and megatrends in the industry, I'd encourage you to check out episodes 21 and 24 from earlier this year. Our next speaker is from the afternoon session of day two. The session was titled, Going Forward, Industry M&A, and recent investments and innovations. The first speaker from that session was Len Laporta, Managing Director of the DAC Group. His presentation was titled, Using Mergers and Acquisitions to Protect and Grow Your Business Value in a World of Disruptive Change. Hi, this is uh, Len Laporta, Managing Director at the DAC Group. We're a investment bank for the middle market uh, companies. Uh, I was presenting here on um, how disruption is challenging your valuation of your company. And basically, the key part here is that uh, it is a boom market for M&A deals, mergers and acquisition. Uh, the non-woven space is a very active uh, participant in the mergers and acquisition space. And that basically our goal here was to uh, provide some informative uh, points on you know, what's creating value, what's destroying value, and how you have to uh, be changing, whether it's through organic growth, acquisition or redeploying capital to uh, be able to support uh, your uh, growth in the next couple of years in the space, which is highly competitive. The last presentation we're featuring was given by Jason Finnis, Executive Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer at Bast Fiber Technologies Incorporated. His speech was part of the session titled Sustainable and Improved AHP Inputs, and his presentation was titled Bast Fiber Use in Hygienic Applications opportunities, and challenges. This is Jason Finnis, and I am the Chief Innovation Officer and Executive Vice President for Vast Fiber Technologies. We are a producer of specialty natural fibers for the global non-woven industry. Our fibers of choice come from hemp and flax, 
and we upgrade and purify these fibers to meet the exacting requirements of the non-woven industry. I'll be speaking at Hygienics on Thursday of the conference, and we'll be talking about our fibers and our products, as well as their performance uh, benefits and some of the new developments that we have coming down the pipe. Currently, our fibers are available for spun lace and, non and needle punched uh, non-woven applications, and we have uh, products now hitting the market uh, globally that contain our fibers. During my talk, I will be speaking about upcoming developments such as our wet laid uh, fiber, the shortcut zero as we call it, as well as some of the fiber enhancement and modifications that we're able to make to improve and enhance the performance of our fibers. Thank you very much. Before we continue, I want to mention this episode's sponsor, Cotton Incorporated. Brands seeking a natural fiber solution can learn more on the benefits of cotton at cottonworks.com slash biodegradability. Research on cotton versus synthetics is available on Cottonworks, including cotton's biodegradable performance in aquatic and soil environments. Discover what's possible with cotton. Create a free account today at cottonworks.com. Now, for anyone who's attended Hygienics before, you know that usually there are some workshops that take place before the conference kicks off. We were able to have the leaders of one of those workshops, Carlos and Natalia Richer, share a bit more about their workshop. The last time I attended Hygienics in person, I participated in their workshop and thought it was a great way to learn more about products and innovations in the absorbent hygiene industry. So we'll share some words from Natalia and Carlos on their workshop, Know the Global Trends in Diapers, baby pants, and adult underwear. Hey, hello, everyone. I'm Natalia from Diaper Testing International. And at Hygienics Workshop, we talked about diaper trends. Myself and Irene, my sister, who is there presenting as well, we we're talking about diaper trends and new launches in the U.S. Specifically, we're talking about product introduction, so the new players in the U.S. baby diaper space. We see this year some new brands proudly launched directly at Target retail shelves, their diapers made for melanated skin babies, the Freestyle brand, the Coterie New Pant with resealable waste made in Japan, Earthen Eden made by First Quality was also reintroduced this year. Then we also talked about design changes from the market leaders, including the introduction of front and back waist elastic and pamper swaddlers, uh, the chassis standardization across the Hoggies lines and the honest training pant, which changed from film to all around uh, waist elastic. Then we also talked about discontinued products. So products that have been removed from retail shelves this year, which were primarily um, the Pampers Pure Hybrid, the one with the reusable chassis and uh, disposable insert that was discontinued this year. And also discontinued is Huggies pull-ups in sizes 12M to 24M, which is equivalent to size 3 diaper. So that got removed from shelves this year. Among other general trends, uh, of course, we discussed in detail the softer non-wovens are being used in this space, the thinner diaper cores, the focus on elastic materials these last few years. And then finally, we talked about easy ways to implement test methods to support product developers. We went kind of into detail on how you can do your own quality control, your own visual audits, how you can support research and development, uh, specifically how to run in-home use tests. 
product surgeries and how to just change the way that we approach testing for products, especially want to validate a new design, a new change in your product, how it could be instead of just test it the way that we usually test them, instead think about the likely use and do different types of exploratory tests to validate new products. So that's kind of a, a summary of what myself and Irene at Diaper Testing International talked about during the hygienics workshop. My name is Carlos Richer and uh, I was in charge of the second part of the workshop. And uh, I was focusing more into the future of the diaper industry. And uh, one of the first topics, and continuing with uh, the previous chat from uh, Natalia and Irene, it had to do with how to do home user tests. Home user tests are done with babies, okay? And uh, there's a lot of problems who are dealing with home user tests. First is the training to the mom so they can collect the data correctly. And then there's the impossibility of uh, finding out the exact insult of urine that you get from every pee of the, of the baby. But I was talking about uh, the possibility of using the new technologies, which is these smart diapers, like the Avina Nova or the Horizon from uh, Ontex. And these are products that are uh, able to measure the exact amount of urine inside of the diaper. So uh, what I was challenging the audience is to open their minds and imagination into the possibility of using these kind of devices for home user tests. Just imagine what you can do if uh, these devices that can measure the exact amount of urine, you could use them to actually R&D and improvements in diaper design by knowing the exact amount in real time. And not only the amount of urine in the diaper, but also the position where when the baby was uh, peeing or where the adult was peeing on the diaper, either you know, on the stomach or horizontally or sitting down, or, all of that information is stored into the device. Well, another topic that I talked about was the future of pre-made course. And I think this is a, a very interesting area because traditionally pre-made course had been used for sanitary napkins, but not for baby and adult diapers. Okay? With the exception of the pre-made cores made in China, which are using, they call it uh, absorbent paper. And uh, those are a, a simple way of reducing the cost of the machinery because you don't need to make your own absorbent core. It's pre-made. But the idea here is what happens when a pre-made core is better than the ones that you can make yourself. So, and then exploring this uh, alternative, it opens a new world of possibilities by enable people to start a new diaper factory with less money, less capital, and uh, uh, being able also to have a more cleaner environment in the factory, less noise, less energy, because you may use this pre-made course. I am, I believe, in fact, that in the near future, we may have access to pre-made cores that are better than the cores that are currently made by diaper factories today. Another topic that I covered was a little bit about the future of uh, super absorbents and uh, non-wovens and hot melts, adding a little bit more into the sustainability and ecological claims. So that I covered with a little more detail. And the last topic that I covered during my presentation was regarding the post-consumer diaper waste. And I was referring to the problems that we have today with mechanical recycling, where because we have so many different resins, okay, like polypropylene, polyethylene, polyester, polyurethane. And when you are trying to recover by mechanical uh, recycling, uh, the value of the resulting 
product is so low because of the mix of resins. So my suggestion was to move in the direction of uh, a single polyolefin, either polyethylene or polypropylene. So everything in the diaper is made with the same polyolefin. An alternative, of course, is uh, chemical recycling, where instead of uh, a simple process of you know, uh, autoclave and then shredding the diaper apart and separating components, you're actually dissolving everything and melting it. Okay? and then uh, separating the organic part into one stream and all of the uh, plastics into a different stream. That way you don't need to use a single polyolefin. You could have a complete mixture of different plastics and you can still recover them individually. Okay. And uh, I finalized my, my uh, topic with the idea of how to reduce the cost of the collection of soil diapers, which is a bottleneck right now. And I suggested that uh, instead of trying or have the temptation to solve this problem by specific stream where people have to take the soil diapers into a bin and then maybe be rewarded by points like they're doing in some places in Europe. Uh, and then you collect points to have free diapers. That, that's extremely difficult for uh, people to do, especially because you are, you are dealing with soil diapers that are not really the, the cleanest or the, the best for people to do. Instead, I was suggesting that uh, a bag should be designed with a, with a code so that uh, you should handle your waste uh, diapers, your soil diapers, using the regular trash collection system. We should not complicate things. It should be, be done in such a simple way that all of these diapers come into the trash collector bag and are sorted in a, in a centralized location. So all of these soil diapers could be actually diverted to where they need to be. I think that would be the easiest. It would be uh, the less expensive in terms of logistics. And I think the future is like that. Don't try to do it with this, these special beans in the supermarkets or near the uh, hospitals or medical centers. Instead, just uh, ask people to use a single color bag which could be coded so that when it reaches the sorting facility, something will be able to detect that this bag has diapers inside. Okay, and, and that that is a simple way to everything arrives to a centralized location. So basically, that was that was the key of my presentation. And uh, I don't know if uh, it was anything else that you want to add, Natalia. That's it. I think that was a great summary with me focusing on the current trends and the past design trends on the baby diaper space and Carlos focusing more on the future of what we can expect of improvements in uh, personal absorber hygiene. Now, for anyone looking to learn more about some of the topics that Natalia and Carlos just discussed, we have two episodes coming up featuring Natalia where she'll go into more detail on some of those trends and changes in the baby diaper market. So be on the lookout for those two episodes in the coming weeks. Besides presentations and workshops, Hygienics is also known for their annual innovation awards. The Hygienics Innovation Award recognizes and rewards innovation that utilizes nonwoven fabric or technology in a way that expands the usage of nonwovens. We were lucky enough to speak with two of the three finalists for the award, so we'll wrap up this episode by speaking with Daniela Gomez, Marketing Manager at Sposi Kids, and Penelope Finney, CEO at Egal Pads Incorporated. So my name is Daniela Gomez. I'm the Creative Director for Sposi. Sposi is a lifestyle brand. We provide products for parents to make life a little bit easier. Our main product is a booster pad that goes inside a baby's diaper to prevent diaper leaks. 
And our newest product, which is Fozy Dribbles, is the only pad of its kind. It is a potty training pad. It's made to go inside of children's underwear. And basically what it does is it allows a child to still feel the sensation of being wet without actually getting their clothes and their surroundings wet. This is important because it helps them build those cues that helps them along in their potty training journey. We've seen really good positive results, lots of great customer feedback, and we're just excited to get this pad out where there was really nothing like it in the market. So we're excited about that. My name is Penelope Finney, and I am the CEO of EGAL Pads, and we have a product called Pads on a Roll. So Pads on a Roll was invented two years ago by our founder, Tom Devlin, and his wife, she is a reporter for the Boston Globe, and she was writing about period poverty and period parody. And in the article, uh, there was a line that said, period products should be as ubiquitous as toilet paper. And Tom was like, wait a minute, I could invent something like that. He's an inventor and he'd been working with absorbent pads and absorbent pads in rolls actually for puppies, for puppy training. And um, so he knew all about the layers that were required, the non-woven fibers and all of that. And so he designed it, patented it. And then he hired me because he felt like a man probably should not be running a period products company. And there was really a, a reason to start when we did, which was about 18 months ago. And that was knowing that in September of 2022, many of the mandates that legislatures had passed in various and in, in 19 states across the country were going to start going into action. And meaning that public schools mainly middle schools and high schools, were going to have to provide free period products um, in the bathrooms. So Tom was like, you know, this is just going to be a much more economical solution for schools, especially since a lot of these mandates are unfunded. And, you know, all women, and I will say all women without exception, have experienced the vending machines that are out by the sink. And those are just, first of all, they're not where you need them to be, A. B. Generally, they're broken, jammed, or empty, or they do require a coin. And so having something that literally sat right beside the toilet paper seemed like a really good solution, especially you know, when you're thinking of younger students like middle schoolers or, or elementary school students, they are just too embarrassed to go out and try to get a vending machine to work. So you know, it has sort of appealed to a lot of people for that reason. We named the company EGAL because EGAL means equal. And we feel like, you know, we've been trained to think that women need to carry period products with them, but you don't have to carry toilet paper with you. So all biological functions should be treated in the same way. The product should be available freely. It should be in the place that you need it. And that's that. And so I actually like the fact that it looks just like a roll of, roll of toilet paper because it does sort of make the point that this is a biological function that nobody has any control over, and, you know, so provide for it. So we manufacture right now in China and we will be manufacturing in India soon. We'd love to reshore it, but we're just getting our feet wet with all of this and it's roll to roll manufacturing. So the good news for that is there's much less waste in terms of we don't have to package everything. There's 40 pads on a roll, but there's not 40 boxes. And, uh, the making of the rolls can be very fast. There's no, it doesn't have to be cut and folded and boxed. And we don't have wings on the product. So there's 
hardly any waste whatsoever. Um, we just buy what we use. They are all individually wrapped. The ones that we're producing in India will be wrapped in a silicon-based paper. So th those will be by the wrapper will be biodegradable. And yeah, we're super excited to have gotten this innovation award from Hygienics. It is thrilling for us. We literally just, you know, announced ourselves two weeks ago at the ISSA conference. So we're brand new and just really thrilled to be doing this. And our first order just arrived in the warehouse today. So <laughs> our first shipment. So we're excited and very excited to see where this goes and excited to be doing something that will help, you know, girls, women, workers, students out, you know, across the board. Since by the time of this episode, the winner of the Hygienics Innovation Award will have been announced, we would like to take the time to congratulate Penelope Finney and Egal Paz for winning the award this year. Congratulations. So there you have it. I hope you found those overviews from Hygienics presentation valuable. If you'd like us to interview any of the speakers in a longer episode so they can share more of the insights from their presentation, we have included a poll in the show notes where you can vote on the presentations and topics that you'd like to hear in more detail. As an aside, the next Hygienics will be from November 13th through the 16th, 2023 at the Roosevelt New Orleans Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. You can find more information at hygienics.org. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to all of our guests today. They are, in order, Rachel braun Michelle Wallace-Savage, Frantisek Rhea-Scott, Greta Meyer, Danielle Kaiser, Len Laporta, Jason Finnis, Natalia Richer, Carlos Richer, Daniela Gomez, and Penelope Finney. I've linked to all of their LinkedIn pages, as well as the Hygienics website, where you can find more info on their talks. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.